This episode of Landmine Radio is sponsored by Dittman Research. Do you know what the most valuable thing in the world is? High-quality information. Because high-quality information informs much better decision-making. Dittman Research has been providing high-quality information to Alaska's leading businesses, organizations, and campaigns for 50 years. Do you really know what Alaskans think about your company or your issue? How about your clients, your shareholders, or your employees? So stop fumbling around in the dark. Hire Dittman Research and find out what's really going on. DittmanResearch.com Okay, back here in studio, uh, right after the vote, the concurrence vote for the budget with Representative Justin Ruffridge, second time on the podcast. Thanks again for having me. And Representative Julie Colomb, first time on the podcast. Long time, um, I've wanted to get you on the podcast, so I'm glad you're here. It's true. Yeah, thank you for having me. And I got to give you a shout out. Uh, we met a couple years ago, more than that, actually. You were a kind of an inaugural member of Landmine Book Club. Correct. You, you, you've been, you've been, now once you got elected, it was maybe a yep. little harder, but you were, you were there for almost all of our, our book clubs for, yeah, for about a year, long time. Yeah. So we read some good books. Well, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, you, you, you guys are both in the Republican majority. You're both just elected. So freshmen, mm-hmm. there was a, uh, this freshman caucus early on. That was kind of a thing. There was 17 freshmen, kind of Republicans, Democrats. Still a thing. Is it? It is. Yeah. You keep trying to kill it. Jeff yeah. and I, uh, we don't like that very much. I I was not trying to. I just when when the Democrats all ran away, it seemed like there was a lot of tension in the room and things got kind of weird. But then the next day, everybody seemed to be kind of yeah. That was a month ago. Yeah, it's yeah, still we, good. We didn't take it personally. No, we know how things go. So before we get into the, kind of the vote and the budget, um, just like a little background. I mean, reference we talked about you were the head, you were co-chair of uh, education, and then. Uh, Representative Colomb, you're a freshman, one of the four, I guess, four freshmen on finance. Correct. And you, you, you even chaired some subcommittees. I think education and maybe one other one. DOA and Department of uh, Public Safety. Too. Yeah. So education administration. So yeah. I guess being a first time, I mean, usually the finance people in the past they've been in for a couple terms, but you got you and um, Kronk. He's been here for one term, but first time on finance and. Um, Stap. Stap. I'm trying to think here. I'm so exhausted. Tomacheski. So a lot of Fairbanks, but you were the only kind of Anchorage, mm-hmm. and then Representative Galvin, but she was in the minority. Correct. So I guess what was, you know, your brand new budget, you're just kind of thrust into the, you know, big deep end on that. Yeah, it was a big learning curve, but um, I think how I perceived the budget was all the work that we put into the budget. Uh, I was the only one trying to cut anything. And I know that the other people on the, the finance committee, were, I mean, they, we were all trying to wrap our head around what was going on. I mean, we, we, were land, we landed into, like, we had to understand the state budget right away. And so the subcommittee process helped me understand that. But I think I approached it in a different way because, well, I've said on the floor many times, you know, I'm, from the private sector. So I address budgets kind of in a different light, you know, and if you don't have the money, you need to bring the money down. Well, the finance committee, they made kind of the big cut was they went from the full dividend, which would have cost, you know, 2.3 billion or something Mm -hmm. down to the 50, 50, which was down to 1.7, which ended up going smaller, but that was a substantial cut. But then in the operating budget itself, I mean, there wasn't really 
was you know two like two tenths of a percent. So um, yeah, the two tenths was my cuts, <laughs> and, the, and that was that was you. That was so. I guess Sorry, was that a ca- I mean I know you're in the caucus and there's a majority and then there's the governor also which I think was maybe a little awkward is the it was the governor's budget right and he's a Republican it's a Republican majority so I assume there was some conversations or like if, if it's a, you know if it's a Democrat majority and a Republican governor or a Democrat governor it's a little easier to kind of say hey you know we're we're going to go to war on some stuff but when it's Republican same party I guess and right. we saw that with Walker when it was the he was more friendly with the coalition in the House but not so much the Senate right. So the governor gave us a budget that was five hundred million in the hole, and so there was a lot of amendments in finance that we held the line and we held the line on the floor to not increase the debt, and uh, we did a good job on that. I did cut very little. I I, I tried to cut where I could. Um, I got a lot of pushback, and you know I, when it finally came to it, the BSA increase. You know we we had to figure out how to pay for that. And initially we decided to pay for that with a CBR draw. That was the 175 yeah. million. You, you guys, the house put in the budget. And then right. when they sent it, kicked it back, they, they put it back with the general funds. No, right. no, neither one of you guys, I know you didn't, I don't, you didn't go on full dividend or big dividend. Did you Justin on in the campaign? Yeah. I don't think you Mine guys had, was uh, follow the law or change the law, which is a common theme in uh, <laughs> the building, but it's funny. Nobody seems to do either. So. Well, the Senate did have the, I guess SB one oh, I think it's one oh seven. That's the, the fifty twenty five seventy five, and then it would go to fifty fifty if there's new revenues. But that kind of went into the old ways and means there for. I think it's in actually it went to finance, but it did. didn't really get much much traction. Mm-hmm. So I guess it must be frustrating being because there's so many freshmen. Right. Usually there's a few. You know, there's a little bit of turnover in the house or the. More so in the house, the Senate even had a lot of new people this year. But uh, you guys organized early on, kind of the first or second day, with mostly the the Bush caucus kind of came together, and you guys were able to get a majority. But um, I'll go to you, Justin. You you were in education and, and, and health the health committee. You weren't on the finance committee, but I'm sure you were paying attention to all this. But I mean, what what's you know been kind of your thoughts on this budget outcome? Well, I think one of the biggest issues I had with, um, you know, where we ended up today, and I guess one of the reasons why I could not in good conscience support the budget uh, at the end uh, was we weren't clear on what our priorities were. I, I don't think we were clear really um, to each other or to uh, the body as a whole um, really ever about what it was that we wanted to accomplish. Was it a bigger PFD? Was it education funding? It was always really mushy, um, and you know when you get down to the end and you uh, and you've drafted something that you don't know what your priorities are in that budget, um, you're going to end up with things that you don't like. And I felt like we ended up uh, essentially being well bought. I think by the Senate, uh, I think they just straight up bought votes. Um, well, they they rolled in. So what happened for the folks listening is the House yesterday. Today's Thursday, the last day of the session was yesterday. The Senate kicked over the budget. They did kind of hold it. They, they did hold it to the end. Mm-hmm. They jammed in the capital budget and the supplemental budget, and they put it over on fr- Wednesday. And there's a, a uniform rule that says it's going to sit on the day, desk for a day. You can suspend that, and that was attempted, but there wasn't the votes for that. So they just adjourned, which the clock strikes you know, at midnight. That's the constitutional limit. 
so today was day one of the special session and it was like still unclear what was going on. And then there was some conversations and the deal ended up being, they sent the budget actually back to the Senate. They went back to the second reading. They, 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 they loaded up some $35 million amendment with capital projects, half of which went to the, almost half of which went to the Matsu. There was a library, there was an airport, there was, I have the list here. There was, I think, I think maybe you got something there in your district too. I don't know. Do you, do you guys, did you guys get input in this? Um, I didn't get any input. I mean, I had shared. Uh, Looks like that you got. Um, I got I, there's Hills, two projects that were important to my district. Hillside, yeah, yeah Hillside Lursa, and then yep. Anchorage Hillside Fire, and then and then one for the road to our prison on the Kenai was a project that was in Kansas. Kenai Wildwood Drive. Yeah, yeah. But the big numbers, it looks like. I mean, we got five million public library in Palmer. Yep. Five million Wasilla Airport. That's a Sumnerish project. Five million for Edgman and. Harbor float replacement, four point seven million. Talkeetna water and sewer. It's a McCabe. Yep. Ooh, that it was a quick one. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, it, oh boy, I would say from my perspective, and I don't like to talk for others, but um, I mean, I think Representative Colom and I, we've had a lot of conversations throughout the last uh, couple of months, and I think you know, for me, our, my big priority was policy. I think we had an opportunity here in that budget process, uh, in negotiations with the Senate, instead of trading what amounts to pennies of pork for certain people. I mean, $35 million out, out of a $4.5 billion budget, it is a very small overall right. amount. And, and, and I mean, we, we sacrificed that at the altar of policy. And um, Would you guys have preferred to go to a conference committee? Yes. Yes. So work work out work out the differences. Absolutely. Yeah. So 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 you mentioned um, the priorities, and I mean I don't know how much you guys were involved in the negotiations. I'm sure you heard about it, but one thing I kept hearing was the you know the it was like full dividend twenty twenty six hundred dollar fifty fifty, and then it was two thousand a couple of days last week, mm-hmm. and then it was less, but then it was also cut down the education money, which I heard the Senate said, well wait a minute, you guys did one hundred seventy five and initially a thirty nine to one vote, the fund source got switched. But then last week, that same amount of the BSA increase got rolled into the internet mm-hmm. bill in the Senate or the House Finance Committee. So I think the Senate was saying, "How do we go down on 175 if if you guys have twice said that's that's kind of the number?" And then the so the dividend number would change, the education number would change, and then there was some other. So I, I don't know how much you guys were. I know the leadership was going back and forth, but from what I heard from the Senate side, it did it did seem frustrating on their end that it didn't seem clear what 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 do what do they want. As a group, is that I mean, is that fair? Yeah, it's super fair. I think that goes back to communication and priorities again. I think there was a lot of conversations around you know some of those main items. Um, you know, I think a lot of us in the caucus made our positions very clear on where we stood on CBR draw, on education funding, on PFD amounts. Um, you know, for me, I don't think. Uh, yeah, I don't think that sometimes, well, I, I am a freshman, so sometimes that voice is uh, a little quieter in the back of the room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I guess today the vote it was a weird vote, so we'll talk about that. You need 21 votes to, to concur, and this is the first time we've actually had a concurrence vote since 1982. That was the last time that happened. That wasn't a weird situation back then. but I wasn't born then, 82. Either was I. Yeah. I was I born was. 80. I was born 84. <laughs> You were probably yeah. 1979, right? 20 years old by then. <laughs> <laughs> you look great. Yeah, thanks. Um, so it was 26 yeses, which which sounds great. But when you look at the vote total, 
And I'm just going to pull this up here because it's a very weird total. Uh-oh. And, you know, for the, for 99% of people, the public, they don't, they look at the, they don't even right. know how to break it down. But so only 16, only 10 of the 13 majority members voted, voted for it. So there's 23 majority members, just 10 voted yes. Mm-hmm. And then all 16 minority members voted yes. Right. Uh, some of the no votes are very interesting. Neil Foster, who's a, one of the finance co-chairs, Kathy Tilton, who's the Speaker of the House, Dan Sadler, who's the Majority Leader. Um, you know, no, normally for the folks listening, and probably they follow this stuff, but normally it's like the majority's job to kind of do the budget and pass the budget. And we've saw this the last several years. You guys weren't here, but you're probably watching. The Senate majority had real problems, and they couldn't really get anything done as far as budget without the Democrats in the minority. So the Democrats were able to get... Mm-hmm. You know, quite a quite a bit out of out of things because they needed the votes. But did you guys when? Because I didn't know. I, I knew a few people were going to vote no, and I was still curious how it was going to go. When you guys went on the floor, did you know they had the votes to pass it, or we were knew. you you knew? Yeah, yep. we knew. Yeah, it was pretty clear. I think from the day before, um, you know, with the uh, with the I guess drama surrounding the waiving of the rules. Um, you start to get pretty good on your fifth month in that building of reading people's body language. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, just today you could feel that you could feel it if you didn't even know that amendment. You could just feel the yeah. motion, the movement. You can just you could sense it, and yes, something something's happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't go to Juno to do status quo work. I mean, I I've been policy the whole time. It's never been about the permanent fund. It was it was more about policy and future like what what's this going to look like next year and i felt the senate was um disrespectful they were bullying us and um i really wanted to see something um of substance of substance come out of it to change my vote because of some capital projects although my district is very happy about it um it's not really what's best for alaska I, I, I don't see how that gets us forward. Do you, do you, when, when you say last night, and, and I agree the votes the votes, votes may have been there last night, but after that amendment came in with those capital projects, I just thought, well, maybe the minority, because something else had happened was the majority, Senate majority took out a little money for health care, home aids, I think right. $7.5 million and some other education money. Seven. I mean, it wasn't a lot of money, but it was, I think, like $15 million <laughs> plus that $40 million for the government shutdown contingency. And I mean, I heard some minority members say, wait a minute, they took out that stuff and then they're jamming up the majority with capital. So I, I just didn't know if they were all going to vote yet. They ended up all voting yes, but that was pretty, it's pretty risky for the majority to uh, have to rely that heavily on the minority for the, to pass the budget. Yeah, I think that there's uh, a lot of questions to be answered there for, for me anyway. I think that there's a... Uh, um, and in, I guess an important fact uh, from from my perspective is five months ago, six months ago, I was not in that building. I was a constituent and I was watching all of the stuff that was happening inside there saying, wow, it can't be as bad as it looks. And then, holy smokes, lesson learned. I mean, it that was... Well, that was you, a terrible process that we just went through there. And if, if any one of your listeners or anyone on the outside of that building was watching that, I think we just destroyed any public trust that was in what we were trying to do there. Well, I think the frustration is, or maybe the reality is, is just most people don't, I mean, I've been here five years and I'm 
starting to feel like I have a, a grasp of how this place works. And mm-hmm. for the average person who's even visiting or spends a couple of days in here or watches from home, it's just so much to learn Right. that, that shenanigans do go on here all the time and they've been going on for many years and then nobody really knows. But it's mm-hmm. because the process isn't open. It doesn't have to be that way. I really don't think it does. Uh, I think we could be a little bit more clear uh, with when you run an amendment, when you have a budget, uh, I think there could be a lot more clarity in that process. I think we could take it a little more seriously, uh, the that public process, um, and, and trying to engage people. I think you do a good job at trying to make politics a little exciting, a little fun sometimes. And inform so. them and entertain them. That's yeah, exactly. Um, but, yeah, it is sometimes it's uh, we disincentivize people to even pay attention because it is hard to follow. So Julie, one thing I heard a lot from, I mean, not just the majority, I mean, everybody pretty much is some kind of, some kind of plan. I mean, if I hear fiscal plan one more time, I might, you know, stab my eyes out, but that's like something that's been fiscal plan, obviously education. People talk about a lot this session. Some people talk about the pensions. Uh, I was just kind of almost not surprised, but I was, I was maybe a little surprised that just nothing really happened. You know, there was a set, the Senate passed the education deal, but that's in the House. Uh, the pension bill is still over, you know, and I'm not saying for or against, but um, really there was no sub, sub, substantive policy, big decisions. But there's some small, you get your pharmacy bill, for example. I mean, there's some, some legislation to get passed, but as far as any of the big stuff, any kind of revenue measures or permanent fund dividend change or any kind of uh, spending cap some people have talked about or an education increase, or a pension, you know, nothing, none of that happened. Right. So, I mean, were you expecting some of that? I mean, what, I mean, what was your, what, if you could have had the magic wand, what would you have wanted to Yeah, I, I mean, uh, Representative Carpenter has spent so much time vetting these bills that are part of a fiscal plan from the fiscal uh, policy working group. Mm-hmm. So I, I was always watching uh, Ways and Means and trying to, you know, understand these policies and how they would affect us in the future. I was really, really big on the spending cap. So the spending cap um, came to finance and representative staff amended it. To and it's, it's his bill, right? Correct. And so we were trying to get, you know, consensus on the cap. And so the cap, uh, so that he put the permanent fund under the cap and then raised the cap. And so that caused some issues with, um, people that supported the cap. Well, that's when we saw that, that Rep. Carpenter had a meeting that day for right. a, the, the tax, sales tax, right. his income tax offset deal. Right. But then he basically just said, you know, I'm not going right. to, I mean, he gaveled so, out. Th- so this is the thing. Um, you have a group of people that want to do something um, that lasts, that's long-term. We're not in it, like, for this budget. We're looking for... For the long term, right? We're trying to make big changes. We're trying to make a shift with uh, the Senate's relationship with the House. I'm looking at something a little bit higher than just a couple of capital projects. And and I think the caucus struggled with that because not everybody's in that. But I would say why I say the freshman caucus is still alive is because a lot of that we share similar uh, viewpoints on where we need to go. Like we need something bigger than just this budget. We want something, we want the process transparent. We want it um, to be followed like it's supposed to be. And when those things aren't happening, like you saw that with the pay raise, um, a oh, lot the, of freshmen the, the, Sov- the Soviet Compensation Commission. Right. <laughs> yes. 
Yeah, because... Yeah. Yeah, very, very Soviet. Yeah, so that was... I mean, the freshmen coalesced around that because all of us were just constituents six months ago. So we've been watching from the outside, looking you know, with a couple of... A couple of people were staffers here, but most of us were on the outside. And so I was always frustrated with the same thing. Can't wrap my head around the budget. Can't, uh, can't really see what's happening. And so when we came in, we wanted to change that. And it's really, I mean, it's really hard. We, we, you, you guys both can thank you for getting our political report. There's three of us that do that. We, I mean, this is something we started doing three years ago and I mean, it's really hard to track the budget. Yep. It's hard. It's it very is. difficult. And for the average per- person, it's impossible. Right. Just to track the changes and how it, how it's written and all right. the finance documents on ledge finance and OMB and the governor. I mean, you have to like, I, I can't even, I struggle with it. Right. Even, I mean, I luckily have really good people that help me with, right. with this thing. It's really, really hard to, and, and um, that's just the way it is, you know, I understand, but I, I always think kind of maybe also by design because it makes it hard for most people to. Well, I mean, uh, as far as uh, Representative Ruffridge and I, we both come from private sector. So um, that is a very different mentality for someone who's lived under government sector work. And we've had the headwinds that go with that. And so when we, we're looking at it as a private sector uh, especially for me, I'm financed with a budget. I mean, I, I said on the floor, I was like, what is this? Like, we don't even have, we don't have accountability. We have no goals. And so, uh, I mean, both us, both of us have really great lives outside of Juno. <laughs> yeah. well, they both we have families. Doing, and, yeah. oh, I have grandkids. Um, uh, Representative Ruffridge has business. And so, like, that's not why we're here is just do status quo work. Well, we want something different. Why do you think nobody, except Representative Eastman briefly, but nobody spoke on the budget? I mean, no majority, no minority. Do people just want to get out of here? That's kind of it? I think once you felt that uh, that wind change, uh, for me, I, I knew essentially that the battle was over. The, that the thing that I was really trying to strive for was, for at least this session, lost. Um, and so at that point... You know, I think we had had a grand total of close to 10 hours of caucus meetings in the last 24 hours. And you, you do feel talked out at some point. But uh, I know last time I was on, we talked about my uh, Christian school uh, upbringing. So oh, yes. I, I would say that there's a, there's a proverb that you're required to learn in that curriculum about vision. And I think that's actually the thing that was lacking in this section of time, and that's, uh, I think, in Proverbs 29, where it says, without a vision, the people perish. And that's a proverb written by a king of a whole bunch of people. And uh, and I think that's very true today. I think it was true then. You have to have a vision of what you want. What do you want Alaska to look like in 10 years? What do you want it to be in five years? Do you want it to be a place where your kids grow up and stay? Uh, it's a great place for work, a uh, great mm-hmm. place that supports small business. Um and I'm not certain that we had a vision for what that looked like, that we all were able to get behind and prioritize. And then it did become just about, well, frankly, about $34 million at the well, end. I mean, to, to kind of touch on that, you know, this is going to be a ways away, but there's another session next year. And I'm, I guess I'll curious about your feedback about what your thoughts are. Of, it's an election year. Things change. You'll, you'll see things are different in the election year. People, those, they usually get out on time. There's election coming up. Everybody's all the House members are up, half the Senate. So, and there could be a special session. There's talk of this in the fall, of some governor calling for a fiscal 
plan. We're not sure if that's going to happen, but I guess going to accession, Julie, what do you think is going to, is it going to be a status quo or is there going to be a conversation within the group to do things different, especially with the Senate too. I mean, I think the Senate upset a lot of you guys with the way they kind of, and they, so they say there was no vision or there was, there was no clear path from the house, but the house, you fairly say, well, that's not our job to tell you. You send it back. Mm-hmm. The capital. Right. You guys sent the operating. Right. So I guess there's two parts to that. It's like the, within the majority and the next year working mm-hmm. with the Senate. Well, I think going through this process, uh, the freshman caucus put, a, put forward a term limits bill, which seems to really need to Oh, yeah. That, that, that had a lot of co-sponsors. Right. So what I'm finding is those that are here for a long time I have a different mindset than I. I... It's okay if I don't get reelected. I'm not here for that. I'll be fine if I don't get reelected. That's not what drives me here. I thought I could contribute to lasting change. And if uh, the majority doesn't want to do that in the body, then, you know, I'm one of 60 and there's only so much I can do. But, you know, if if there's a mindset that all we have to do is get reelected, then that's a problem. I, I don't... It, 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 I would do, I will do whatever I need to do, what's right and what's best for Alaska. And if I don't get reelected, I'll be okay. But unfortunately, I I just found a lot of, like, everybody has talked about the election year. That's not, next year, I don't look at it that way. It's okay. It's, it's, I understand why people are motivated the way they are. But I mean, I, I'm not here to get reelected. It's, I would rather, if I only had a two-year term and I got a spending cap, I would feel good walking away. Because I, I, I just think you have to have some people that haven't had so much time invested here that are so have that mindset of just, I got to do whatever it takes to make my constituents happy and just get reelected. I'm, I guess I just don't approach the job that way. Um, I, I, I agree with some of that, but I also, I guess I would just respond that if you had there is some element of institutional knowledge. And, and we saw this in the past couple of years, there was a lot of new people this year. There's a lot more new people. And I guess I just wonder where the balance is of, of new people. And then people that have, you know, I, 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 I would just say that the Senate outmaneuvered the house mm-hmm. here big time because Bert Stedman's been around a long time. Lyman Hoffman's been around since the eighties and people can Senator Hoffman's or Olson's been around a long time. Senator Wilkowski's. So I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just saying, when they have that knowledge and that experience opposed to not having that, um, I guess there's probably got to be a balance somewhere. Right. I mean, you know, I guess uh, institutional knowledge is important, but it's just, (laughs) it seems to get to a level when you're talking about balance, it gets to a level where it gets, um, well, what I said to the press today is there's a bullying tactic going on that we know more. We can do what we want. And we will always get reelected, and that's not okay. That's they're basically, I mean, especially someone who put in so much time in the into the budget. I never even got a word in on the capital budget for the Senate to just disenfranchise forty House districts is not okay. And I'm sure they're very knowledgeable and very sharp, but that still doesn't make it okay. What about you, Justin? On, on next, you know, next session with within the majority House majority, and then also kind of. Working, I mean, Craig Johnson said something interesting. There was a little press deal, and I think maybe he was the most honest. He, he just said, we have to, we got to do a lot better next year. Yeah, I think that's, that's, a, that's, that's an accurate statement. I, I can just speak for myself and say, um, 
you know, I'm not going to do that again. I mean, that was uh, not something that I felt like. Uh, that, we, that is we, like the entire process. Yeah, especially here towards the end. I'm not. I'm not going to. Uh, you know. Um, yeah, I don't. Uh, it's not my. It's not in my uh, nature to repeat mistakes uh, twice. And I think there were some mistakes made there. Um, obviously, there's some internal discussions that need to happen. There's uh, there's some priorities, some vision that needs to be implemented. I think during the interim, I hope that that can happen. Um, but uh, you know, at this point, I think um, maybe it's a little raw. But I, I just, I don't think I'm going to change my mind tomorrow. I think that was process that uh, I don't care to repeat. And, you know, to your point about institutional knowledge, I think, you know, in some ways, my lesson I learned in the last five months is uh, the institutional knowledge is learning when the rules don't apply to you. And I think that's really the, that's the difference between a freshman and someone who's been here for 10 years. Well, the freshman says, hey, look here, the rule says this. Well, we must follow the rules. And, uh, more experienced people say, we don't do that. Well, the, 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 the joke is, and it's, there's actually, you said proverb, there's a Russian proverb that says for every joke, there's a little truth, but the rule of 21, Yep. you know, mm-hmm. there's all these things on two thirds and three quarter. And those are, some of those are constitutional, so you can't get around those, but right. a lot of them are uh, in the uniform. Like today, for example, I, I don't know, it's probably a tough call, but the budget was amended and it was changed. And, they ended up ruling that it didn't have to sit for 24 hours because it was basically the budget. Eh, we added a little bit, but I would say that probably technically that should have to sit for 24, 24 hours. But you know, when the rule, there was a ruling of the chair and that was upheld with, you know, 21. So it's a rule of 21. Now there's, like I said, there's constitutional things like the two thirds extending, you know, the 10 days that's constitutional. You can't get around those, but um, so, sometimes, the, sometimes the rules are ignored. Yeah. Many times. And, uh, yeah, again, that goes back to, you know, not that long ago I was out there and, uh, all of that frustrated me then it frust- frustrates me now. I don't think that frustration has gone anywhere. <laughs> I guess I'll ask you guys both. And we've, I think you've t- talked about some of this, but I mean, what, what's your kind of like 30,000 foot level takeaway after four, four plus months here in Juneau? I'll start with, I guess, Julie, whoever, <laughs> whoever wants to go. Julie had that like, Oh, oh boy, that's a big oh one. So, um, I mean, my, my biggest takeaway is that <coughs> there isn't, you, you can't uh, get much accomplished without a clear vision. And uh, because I felt like our vision wasn't clear, we couldn't coalesce around it. And I didn't realize, and I, you know, I, I did that piece, I, I did an article about my frustration with the process. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize um how the Senate operates for someone to plop the operating and capital budget in front of me an hour before I have to vote for it. I I didn't anticipate that. I mean, I, I I mean, I've been following Juno politics, but I guess I just didn't really realize um, what the Senate thought they could do and they've been doing and that they thought that was okay. So that, that was, unless you have a clear vision and you got a group that's really going for that vision you kind of you kind of dissipate, and I think that's what you saw tonight. Well, I think um, I mean the Senate had a pretty clear clear vision early on. They they were really big on education. Mm-hmm. They were really big on not overdrawing the CBR. 
there was maybe not as much, but there was definitely some support for a, a some kind of pension deal. I mean, that was they were a little more split on that. But I mean, the education and the, the CBR deal were pretty. Those were two other big ones, right? And they they en- ended up doing you know doing both those. Well, I, th- I thought it was interesting. They always said it was a balanced budget, but they never said how they balanced it. It was on the backs of Alaskans, so they had no problem with that. Seventy-five, twenty-five gave them tons of money, and they added to the budget and got all the things that they wanted, and um, that didn't seem to be a problem for them. But for our majority, that was a problem. That I mean, in my, I was never standing around wanting a statutory PFD. I understood the realities of the budget. But I thought there would be a middle ground between um, having a hundred million dollars slush fund. Uh, and I I wanted to pull enough that we needed from the PFD to to pay the highest PFD we could. Mm. I didn't have any interest in doing the seventy five twenty five. I didn't think that was necessary. So Justin, kind of same question to you: the thirty thousand foot, you know, takeaway after first session, four four plus months. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to try to stay positive. I guess um, you're a positive guy. You hang out with Carl Malone this summer, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I, I mean, thirty thousand foot level. Um, you know, I think it was uh, a good educational experience. Um, I, you know, I was able to pass some bills. Um, There's honestly good people here trying to do mm-hmm. good work, um, and uh, I, I do appreciate that. I think that's. Uh, um, I, I don't. Um, yeah, I'd, I don't think that that was a bad experience at all. That being said, I think there's a lot of takeaways uh, about making sure that you know what you want. And I think you said it so well. The Senate absolutely knew what they wanted, and that was clear. And you know what? At the end of the day, that is, I think, what 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 owns the day is to is to say you you have something that you want and you're willing to fight. And, for and it. I mean, they knew what they wanted this time, but and I was I've been down there since 2019, and the Senate had big problems the last several years, four years. Right. I mean, they had internally major factions over dividend and over other things. And, you know, they, they, that's part of the reason this majority now is the way it is in the Senate at 17. It's almost the whole Senate because they, they just knew that they didn't want to go back to this kind of fractured. We have to go to the other side for votes and our members go publicly and attack us on the radio and on Facebook. I mean, this was four years of, um, some, some pretty wild stuff in the Senate. So, I mean, this was a result of, of people saying, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to, we don't want to do that again. Yeah. I think the last thing, you know, that is my 30,000 foot takeaway and it's been a little bit of an inside joke is the word conservative does not mean what you think it means anymore. (laughs) I mean, it's so funny because we just watched this budget pass and uh, you know, I, I see the stuff that gets written about me. I'm a pretty conservative person. I'm the only one that says that though. Things people write, you know, moderate or most likely to to flip to the Democrats and all these different things. You know, there's been people that have given me and others um, a hard time for the last four or five months, you know, always. Um, you know, I was the one for three or four days that people thought was going to concur on the budget. And, yep. Um, I mean, to, be fair, to, to, to be fair, I asked you and you kept saying no. So. I've been clear. I've <laughs> yeah. said no know. everywhere. <laughs> He's and, always said no. And, you know, it's it's funny because um, when you look at it, what, what some members who would claim that they're conservative just voted on was to concur with a budget that was larger, mm-hmm. took more from the permanent fund dividend, and paid out some sort of 
additional projects. I call it uh, greasing, greasing the wheels. Yep, and we still have structural deficit issues. I challenge anyone to call themselves uh, seriously. Think about what does conservative mean? Um, and we hear that just touted all the time. Conservative well, this, this, conservative that. And I just, that's a takeaway for me. I think it's a meaningless word anymore. Th- this budget for, you know, it starts on June, July 1st and it goes for a year and we'll see what happens next, next, you know, several months, but it requires $73 a barrel oil average. That's right. It does. That, that's been, you know, in the last year, that's been pretty, pretty good. But before that it was in the forties and fifties and sixties. So we, we don't know what's going to happen with the markets, global markets, demand for oil and China, there's financial markets as well with the permanent fund and what that draw POMV draw is going to be. So this is, you know, it's no cakewalk. This is what really frustrates me. And, and so many people, you talk about conservative, so many call them conservatives attacked Bill Walker when he reduced the, the dividend um, in 2016. And th- that was $30 oil. And that was $3 billion deficit. And ever since then, it's been smaller. The legislature has done that. But I, I don't know what would happen right now there was 15 or 16 billion dollars in the in the CBR then. Right. If that if that happens now in 6 months, I mean it's coming back to Juno and what you know what do we do? Well, yeah, Jeff, yeah. I mean we 2.2. Yeah, we have a whole staff of legislative finance. We've seen the numbers. Mm-hmm. We've watched what happens. You don't you we're, we're actually close to not having a permanent fund dividend if, ever if, again. If, if there was a true shock like yeah. something that happened. No, in I, you don't even need yeah. a shock. You, you, you need just a slight dip and a little bit of an inflationary pressure, and we're two or three years away from the dividend being almost well, if, eliminated. If, if there was the kind of shock we saw when oil prices went down to thirty and you know twenty six after so or twenty it was fifteen. Walker won in fourteen. They were in the seventies. Three months later, they were two months later. They were in the you know thirties, um, and then a couple of years COVID, they were you know zero. But if if we had a real shock type situation, the CBR is two and a half billion or whatever. That goes to zero. Then you have the earnings reserve, and then you have revenues, and you have taxes, and you have, and it's it's a very reactionary. Right. It's not proactive; it's reactive, and and yeah. that 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 makes me really nervous. Mm-hmm. Well, we did pass the governor's carbon bills, so that's big money going on there. I don't know about that. I mean, I I, I, I really hope that <laughs> plays. revenues, Jeff. I really hope that plays <laughs> off, but it's a I, win. I think that even they've said it's years away. Correct. You know, is it? Yeah, I hope it. I hope it. I hope it's you know the. I hope it's the, the panacea. But I, I, I nobody knows what that's going to be. Right. So, mm-hmm. I think some people are really optimistic. But yeah, that's that's something that's going to be a couple years down the line. It's going to be. I mean, I even said in finance, this is really a resource development tool. It's not really a revenue tool. Is it's it's giving um, the resource development companies a way to um, cover their carbon. You know, if they're um, if they need carbon credits, we're offering to them. I don't see it as a big revenue thing. I think it's just prolonging, and protecting the, re- I mean, I, the resource I, development in I, Alaska. I hope it works, and I'm glad yeah. they did it. And I'm, I'm, you know, but it was somebody described it to me. I think the best description I've heard is it's like medieval Catholic Church indulgences. <laughs> you know, like you drink a little bit, you cheat a little bit, you you know, you party a little bit. Yeah, you buy an indulgence, you're good. Yeah, this is kind of like you know you pollute a little bit, you have some carbon, but I mean some yeah. people are making money from it, so I think it's, I think it's it's good that it's it's there, but I I just I'm not convinced it's going to be some huge money maker. It's right. it's the 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 money there. It's it's really you know. Well, that's why I mean to what you said. I mean that's why we're looking. I would like a spending cap. 
and, and a constitutional amendment to the permanent fund. I want to, and I, I was even going to consider sales tax in, within the spending or within the fiscal plan because I just think we have to look, we have to stop looking right in front of us and look a little bit beyond and try to see what's coming and be able to um, deal well, with I, our spending in a different way than we have. Been. I think you're very right about what you guys talked about a vision because, I mean, everybody says spending cap. I mean, to, to, to me, like in my, like what, what, what I think, a, or a, sorry, fiscal plan, everybody says fiscal plan. What I think a fiscal plan is would be some kind of broad-based tax, some kind of spending cap situation, some kind of resolution on the permanent fund dividend, and, and maybe you reduce the per barrel credit a little bit and the oil companies come in and say, okay, we'll go along with that if that's kind of part of a broader, you know, plan. And everybody gives a little bit, everybody everybody gets a little bit, gives a little bit. Um, but to me, you know, I tweeted this out last week and I said, that's kind of my version of what the fiscal plan would be. And um, any one of those things is difficult by right. itself. Yeah. And, and you can't do one bill with all those things. So it's a lot of trust and it's a lot of vision, like, you, like you're saying, and, like I said, you guys, I know we talked about this and maybe it doesn't matter as much to you, but election year is a lot different. You'll see. It's a, it's a whole different, the way people act and the way people think and the way people talk. And it's going to be a lot. It's going to, you'll see, you'll see. I mean, it's going to be a lot different next time. Well, that's unfortunate. So, yeah. I think we could have made some progress this year. I, I, do, mean, they, I, I mean, I, I know I've mentioned this before, but Representative Carpenter has done so much work to try to kind of set the table to let people, like, let's move this forward. Well, and I was really impressed with, uh, there was a pre- governor's press conference, I don't know, three weeks ago or something. It was that big deal. Everybody showed up. And I, th- I thought, uh-huh. oh, shit, maybe there's some announcement. Because normally you don't have something like that without, and there wasn't an announcement, but everybody said something. You know, Speaker Tilton said something, and um, Governor governor talked, uh, several other people, some senators talked, Wilkowski talked. But when, when Ben Carpenter talked, he actually was the only one who said anything <laughs> interesting. Or truthful. I mean, he said, here's what's going on. Here's what's the problem. Here's what we got to do. And everybody else was kind of just speaking like a politician. But, but Ben did in that, in that press conference say, say things that were, I guess, valuable and, and interesting. Yeah. Uh, no, I would agree with that statement uh, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, I think, again, we're one of 60, one person uh, with, uh, with a plan and uh, a good execution is going to be uh, a massive failure. <laughs> that one person needs more people, and uh, that one person needs uh, leadership to buy into the vision, uh, to start picking a route, sticking to it. Um, because, yeah, I think on some level he put his neck out there on some things. Um, and, uh, you know, I hope he didn't get hung out to dry with some of it. We'll see. Well, I, think, I think a lot of people didn't, I know a lot of people didn't like the sales tax deal, and I think that was. Got a lot of pushback on you that. Have but he, to you know, he—he—he—he—he's—he's he, 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 yeah. he's Republican from the Kiski. I mean, this isn't you know, mm-hmm. yep. this isn't somebody from Juneau or from right. Anchorage. This is so. I, I was I was pretty. Yeah. I mean, last four years, Ben had been I think pretty frustrated about things in finance, and he got pretty upset a few times. But he, he really did I think very well in that how he how he approached things this time. Yeah, I think, you know, you do have to start that conversation. And, uh, and I think and in some way, you have to wait for somebody to see it, and then say, Yeah, I want to support that, you know, and just throughout this last three or four months, we never really quite heard anybody say, you know, that's, let's, let's get that out of there. Let's take this and let's really drive this forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
you know, maybe, maybe that changes, um, next year, maybe not, but, um, yeah, I think, I think we did miss an opportunity, uh, this year to representative Columbus point. I think there was an opportunity in a non-election year to drive something, um, to the end. And, uh, yeah, we didn't, we didn't get to do it. Well, like, like, like they say that the chain's only as strong as the weakest link. I mean, I guess it really applies to politics. It does. For sure. Well, I, I, everyone say, I really got, I mean, I followed you on Facebook a little bit during the campaign, but I've really gotten, uh, I've really enjoyed getting to know you representative Ruffridge. And I, I, we, we knew each other from the book club, but now we've spent a lot of time here and, and I've, I've really been, it's been a pleasure getting to know you guys here the last several months and spend some time in the, I don't know, I guess the, the gauntlet here of Juno in the Capitol. Yeah, yeah, no, I appreciate you, Jeff. Like, so uh, the reason I got in the book club because I was following your reporting on the Campbell Lake situation. Oh, that didn't make it either. And the I know I saw that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> they amended that. Got to got to give you credit there, Cologne. You you, you were I on the, fi- the finance house finance committee, yep. supporting the people there, but the Senate yeah. couldn't get her done. That that could have been a conference item. <laughs> yeah, it could have been. Could have brought the whole that, thing together. Should we just tell Jeff that's why we voted no? <laughs> that's right. Didn't have that in there. I can't Didn't support that. Yes. Fucking signs. Yeah. <laughs> We're not doing it. Well, I appreciate all your reporting. I mean, you've had some really good in-depth reporting on some hillside issues. And um, oh, yeah, there was really the um, there was the Stewart Trail issue, yep. which which ended up getting. And then we have another one coming out. Uh, hopefully, Paxson's working on about Ram Valley. That's in Eagle River, but that's another oh. issue with access and somebody blocking the access point. So yeah, no, I appreciate what you do. Well, uh, you know, I, these things these things get heated and emotional, and it's. I mean, I, I've I've been there myself, but you know, it is a very nice day, and summer's here, so I think you know it's going to be a great time, and come back next year, and we'll we'll see how uh, round two goes. Yeah. We yes, will. we will. You know, I'll be down in the Kenai. Some point, I want to get a podcast. Mike Chanel told me he'll come on the podcast. Oh, so if I come oh, down, that'll be fun. I'll, I'll, I'll look you up. Yeah, please do. That'd be good. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll show you a good time. Well, thanks for both both of you for being here. I really really enjoyed that. Representative Julie Colom from Anchorage, kind of lower lower hillside, and then Representative Justin Justin Ruffridge from Soldatna area. Yep. Kenai or just Sol. Uh, both the municipalities. Yeah, Kenai and Soldatna. I talked a couple of days ago to uh, Mayor Machiki. That's. Yeah. I, I kind of like. That Mayor Machiki flow is pretty good. Senator Machiki, Mayor Machiki, right? Yeah. He seems pretty happy as mayor. He's uh, having a blast. Kind of got to go. Sometimes executive branch, you can make you can yeah. make things move. Yeah, I actually talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and all he said, it was a very short conversation. I was like, hey, how are you doing? He says, I am having so much fun. Well, he, you know, three or four months ago, I don't know, he was in Hawaii for a little bit, and he posted a picture with his family, shirt off, just living his best life. Yeah, he's having a good time. Good for him. Well, both of you, thank you for being here. Um, we'll see you guys around this summer, and we'll see you next next session. And I know it's been a, it's been a weird one, but next uh, next one could get could get weirder. So yeah, or or maximum loose. Maximum maximum loose. It's definitely going to get loose. Oh, it's going to get it's oh, yeah. it's already loose. We're going to just it's a basically a level of how loose we're going to get. So yeah. okay, thanks again, folks. I appreciate you coming in here, and uh, we'll see you around. And folks, if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me and stay tuned for the next one. Landline.